Periscope, Meerkat. When we all stream live, will big media pay the price? And Facebook is about to eat your news brand. This is episode 16 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I am Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom Asacker. Periscope, Meerkat, when we all stream live, will big media pay the price? Tom, you'd have to be living under a rock in the technology world not to be hip to Periscope and Meerkat and the dawn of the uh, live streaming selfie. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. The... I mean, it was the big talk at South by Southwest, right? That's where that thing uh, really skyrocketed. I'm not sure if it's still skyrocketing at this point. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I was going to make that point because, yeah, South by Southwest, Meerkat is huge. Everyone is live streaming each other and everything left and right. Then, oh, I don't know, three days go by and Periscope is released and suddenly... You know, the world of live streaming technology is like the love life of a 16-year-old girl. Yeah, it's technology in general. It's, it's fun to think about, isn't it, though? I mean, it's, it seems to me like a, a no-brainer with these, with these new mobile streaming apps. I mean, I think Google is probably working on something, and it'll be coming out soon. So you uh, any, Soon, but right? too late. Too late? <laughs> <laughs> soon, but too late, yes. It'll be the Google Plus of live streaming apps. Oh, come on. They'll come up with some kind of clever name. They've got to beat Periscope and Meerkat. But, you know, anyone can now use their phone to become their own live TV broadcaster. And I started thinking about that. And I said, you know, okay, so what fan wouldn't want to go behind the scenes with a celebrity, like backstage at a concert, at the gym with an elite athlete, uh, a gallery opening with an artist. Okay, I can see all this. Yes. What nascent news platform wouldn't want to send subscribers live breaking video from some happening, some event? People people looking for input to a problem. Let's say I'm working on the manufacturing floor and I've got a problem. I pick up my phone, I live stream to a bunch of engineers all over the world, and, and they... And I collect feedback on the fly. And, and even family members. I'm thinking about family members. And I'm saying, now, why is it that we, you know, share, collect all these photos? What's with all the photo mm-hmm. sharing? And then I thought about it. It's because there's really no simple way of sharing an experience in real time. So, so let's say you can't make it to a, to a relative's wedding. Watch the live video stream. The professional videographer will just mount the bride's iPhone right next to his camcorder. So I, mm, I, right. I can see all this. I get it. I get it. I just don't get the revenue model for these apps. Well, before you even get to revenue model, I think you have to ask the question, uh, all those fabulous practical real-world applications, do they have anything whatsoever to do with how this thing is actually going to be used? <laughs> I mean, for example, the article that we're referring to is from the New York Times as Twitter introduces Periscope Tech Titans bet on streaming live streaming video. And the very first sentence, Tyra Banks smiled a toothy grin and chatted idly uh, with a captive audience this week, showing off her new pixie haircut. She later flipped a blonde-streaked auburn lock at the crowd, asking in a half-mocking tone, how do you like me now? (laughs) That doesn't sound like it's coming from the shop floor. Now, it is, (laughs) it is, it is, 
you know, background news on a celebrity, which I agree with you completely. I mean, people want to get deeper into the lives of celebrities. In fact, that's what fires a lot of Twitter, period, is getting inside the, the, the private lives of these celebrities and what their real life is like. That's, that's been celebrity journalism ever since there have been celebrities, right? Yes. But, true. I mean, let me ask you, what have you used these applications to watch so far? Me? Yes. Nothing. <laughs> Let me tell you what I've done, okay? Because it's marginally more impressive than what you've done. I clicked on one. A guy was giving a tour of his dorm room. So I said, I clicked on that. And I got to see, and you know, dorm rooms, by the way, I would remembered are small. That's right. Tiny, so, tiny furniture, too. I got to see the four walls of his dorm room, including the undue amount of time he spent on what I can only describe as his porn wall. Um, I got to go on a tour of someone walking through Whole Foods with 39 other, you know, souls. I got to tune in to see what Guy Kawasaki was up to. We all know Guy Kawasaki. He was giving a speech somewhere, and it opened in the middle of his speech, uh, referring to some uh, topic from one of his books gone past. And I remember that book. It was the Enchantment book. You remember that book, right? Absolutely, yeah. That was the book where I interviewed Guy Kawasaki about that book, and I asked him the critical question, Guy, why did you write this book? And he said, you want to know the real reason? And I said, yes. And he said, because I had a three-book deal with my publisher. That's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) So here's my concern about all this. I can see, you know, it's a tremendous waste of time. Let's let's acknowledge that right off the bat. I can see all the needs that you outlined, which really are um, uh, profound. Most of them not new, by the way, because live streaming uh, platforms have been around for some time. This is just a particularly social one. But I think here's what's going to happen more likely, that now that it's so easy, now that it's so social, now that it's so personal, people are going to be shooting uh, the movie screen. People are going to be shooting the TV screen. People are going to be shooting live sporting events. uh, People are going to be violating copyrights like it's going out of style. And that's going to turn out to be a problem. Hmm. Yeah, you know that's uh, that's a good one. I never thought of that. Right? Just just set up set up your iPhone and hold it up in the air at the at the boxing match and stream it to all your buddies who of course. are sitting in a room someplace. <laughs> of course. And then those videos. I mean, it's it, look. We realize this only affects the numbers at the margin, right? But it affects the numbers at the margin, and it's a clear copyright violation, and these things are going to happen. They're going to happen a lot. One other point on this that I have to make, um, this technology itself isn't particularly new. There's been platforms like, you know, one of the first ones, Justin TV, years ago. Right. Uh, there's a quote in this article from the founder of Justin TV, and he said, it, because eventually, you know, this was this guy, Justin Can, who uh, tried and failed to uh, live stream his entire life. Um, And he said, we weren't able to retain an audience because really, we just weren't that interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And I think fundamentally, unless you're talking about breaking news, unless you're talking about, you know, the uh, inside life of a movie star and what Tyra Banks is doing with her her hair, most of us are not that interesting, Tom. Well, plus, Mark, we have to be doing nothing in order to get this signal from somebody that, that I'm going to be live, turn it on quick. You know, well, what, are, what are we doing? Just sitting around s- waiting for somebody to tell us that they're shooting live video? That's exactly what we're doing. We're, <laughs> we're, somehow the time to have nothing but time is infinite. I don't know why. 
<laughs> You're listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Azacker and Mark Ramsey. Facebook is about to eat your news brand, Tom. This is from Fusion.net by the great Felix Salmon. And I got to say, um, the opening sentence from this article I found extraordinarily irritating. Here it is. It seems my prediction is coming true. Facebook wants news stories to live within its own app. Yes, Felix, it's all about you. <laughs> Your stupid prediction is coming true. Let's all pat you on the back because you can't pat yourself enough on the back. Um, this article, as you know, is from, uh, is from uh, Fusion.net, and it's about the fact that uh, major media publications are now having conversations with, with Facebook because they finally acknowledged that um, having their content live on Facebook may be the only way in some cases to save their platforms. What was your take on this? You know, this is another tough one because as a news brand, it seems to make sense. I mean, go to where the readers are rather than trying to get the readers to come to you. And Facebook has, what, 1.4 billion of them, mm -hmm. along with the ability to target articles to specific groups of users. So it's, you know, it's very enticing I mean, it's like the Sky Mall catalog must have been very enticing for direct marketers, <laughs> right? Oh, my goodness, this many people Captive see audience. this thing, right, before yeah. they went bankrupt. But <laughs> it only makes sense if the additional readers and or ad revenues that the news brand gets from Facebook doesn't draw away from paid subscribers and visitors to their own platforms because, after all, there aren't going to be any links in these articles to link out. I think that's well, the big deal here is, you know, we want I, your I news, but we're not linking to your site anymore. I, I don't know if that's how it's going to work, but look, even if, they don't link, if they, even if they do provide links back to the source, you either have the content on Facebook or you have part of the content on Facebook. And I don't know why anybody would want part of the content. on. If I'm Facebook, I don't want part of the content, right? I want the whole content. No, they want the whole content. That's the point. They said they don't want the user to go through the load times of linking out and going right. to the content. So, you know, if you're reading an article and the whole article's there, why are you going to click the news link at the end? Oh, it's so much work, Tom. <laughs> I can understand Facebook's perspective. That's so much work for our readers. We don't want them to do that. Yeah. We, so listen, I, everybody knows what they're up to. The question is whether or not you want to play that game or not. That is the question. Now, the example that they had, the opening example they, uh, that Felix has in this piece is BuzzFeed, which, of course, is the, you know, in, in a decidedly different business than the New York Times, let's say. BuzzFeed, I would argue, isn't really even so much a brand as it is a way to consume content with, you know, uh, with a label at the top. Um, and the interesting thing, too, about BuzzFeed, which really only cares about spreading their content far and wide, and they, they acknowledge in this piece, it increasingly matters less where their content lives, as long as it lives somewhere and as long as it's consumed a lot. But the thing about BuzzFeed is that their content, a lot of it, is made to order for their advertising partners. Oh, exactly. So in other words, in other words, their content is not surrounded by ads as it is in the New York Times. Their content is the ad and the ad is the content. And don't you think that's an extraordinarily different proposition? Of course, because then if you spread it around everywhere, you're you're the one that's making the revenues on those eyeballs. Right. Because it so go ahead, publish it on your on your site. We don't care. Because we've got, we've got the ad embedded right in there, right in the middle of it. It's either embedded in the middle or the whole thing is the ad. Or the whole thing is the ad. And, and see, this is the thing. So they don't, so they don't care. Right. right? And, and they'll be able to track 
who's reading it, who's you know wh where it's being run. Um, but the, the other publishers, they, if they don't have the ability to understand who these customers are, the list, you know, these readers, and if they don't have the ability to deepen their relationships with those readers over time so that they can give them more relevance, more value, right? so they can get from the readers more attention and engagement, if they can't do that through capturing data and testing and tracking results, they're in trouble because it's the more you know about your audience is the more valuable you become to marketers. I think it's even worse than that because even if they have some of the data and understand something about this audience, whose audience is it? Because if I'm only clicking on articles because of the information content of the article, not because of the context, not because of the uh, masthead, not because of the author then there is no brand. There is only the information nugget, right? That's right. And you may have my data, but you don't have my heart. You don't have my relationship. And in fact, all the, uh, the, the, the goodwill, uh, all the equity built up in a publication like the New York Times over generations ceases to exist in a world where news becomes not only disaggregated, but uh, the author of the news is irrelevant, the editor is irrelevant, the fact checker is irrelevant. All of those things that made a newspaper a newspaper become irrelevant in that context. You know, I like to think of a newspaper as kind of, the it, it, newspaper is traditionally the spinach, not the dessert, right? Um, there's a lot in there that you're interested in, but there's also a lot in there that's good for you, and they, they pride themselves on their ability to do that. When you disaggregate the news, you pull it away from the brand, no longer do I even get to the stuff that's good for me. I just get to the stuff that other people are interested in, right? Well, not only that, when you, pull, when you pull the news out of the brand and surround it with other people's news and other people's brand, that it becomes confusing to the reader, I mean, the reader's sitting there looking at all this different content, and over time, the brand of that particular article that you're reading starts to lose its relevance to you. Of course, because it ceases to exist. This is my point, that for New York Times content to be on Facebook, it ceases to be New York Times content. It becomes Facebook content. It becomes content that just streams through Facebook one way or another. Right. Now, again, I'm not putting a value judgment on that. This may indeed be the only way for, fa for uh, New York Times to uh, maintain traction among younger audiences. That's a different matter. But that doesn't mean the New York, that, to me, that means New York Times will essentially cease to exist for a generation that grows up getting all their news through Facebook. Yeah, I don't know what the, I mean, this is, this is digital Darwinism. I, I mean, the environment which these news brands are engaged in is, is changing so rapidly that only those brands best designed for the changing environment are going to survive and thrive. So, uh, yeah, they have to experiment, but they really need to think about it before they jump into it. Right. And, and Felix comments in this article, he said, the thing that people share is not the newspaper, but the news story, which can come from anywhere. The important thing is the information itself rather than the place it came from. That's true, I think, for information. But when we get to other aspects of content, say entertainment, you know, if I, if I click on, if Jimmy Fallon is doing something, the something is less important than the fact that Jimmy's doing it, right? Yeah, this, yeah you're right. So I, I think in that world, a talent actually be, elevates in importance 
in a, I go to Facebook for everything world, talent becomes more important, personalities become more important, entertainment becomes more important. Look, Mark, it, it, as we disaggregate all this information, and, and it's happening everywhere, we don't know any longer who to trust. And I think that that's, what's going, that's going to be the downfall of these news brands. It's like, why should I, why should I trust a particular brand because that's not where I go to get my information. Mm-hmm. I go all over the place and I get bits and pieces from everywhere. Well, okay, that's a good question. Let me ask you that. What is the future of trust in terms of its value? Is it important for me to trust a brand if the brand ceases to be recognizable? Well, that, yeah, that's my, you, you just answered the question. No, there's no trust if we can't recognize what the brand stands for and, and, and whether or not you know, you subscribe to their values and, 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 and their beliefs. And, and mm-hmm. so as, as you start ripping content away from all of these news brands and, and they start living all over the place, then what we end up doing is we trust less and less. We don't does rely it, does, on it. But is, does trust matter anymore at that point is what I'm asking. It, it, it's going to. As we become more overloaded with information... And we, and we start bumping into conflicting opinions everywhere. Now, that, now listen, this, that's a good question. And think about what Facebook is going to do with their algorithms then. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be, be you know, somehow tease out what Mark Ramsey, what opinions Mark Ramsey values and only feed him articles that support certain points of view? Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yes, I do. And if that happens, then we're going to create a bunch of narrow-minded people. Well, I I think I would argue that uh, Facebook's algorithm is dispassionately going to give me more of what I and people like me want. So that's going to happen by natural cause without any intent on their part. And where are we going to get, <laughs> where are we going to go to get Yeah, see, we we better not go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> Because we know the there's no objective reality when it comes to this <laughs> information. <laughs> this is where the Twilight Zone theme song kicks in. That's right. <laughs> All right, Tom, it is time for Rants and Rave. What do you have for, the, for us this week? Well, I figured since we called out Brian Williams on a past show that I'd be fair and balanced and go on a rant on Fox News host Bill O'Reilly. Because I recently <laughs> read a report that claims that O'Reilly has once again lied about his reporting experiences. So this time, it's about O'Reilly once claiming that he rescued his bleeding cameraman during a riot in Argentina. (laughs) But the cameraman who shot O'Reilly's video has come forward saying that that never happened, you know? So here's the interesting (laughs) thing. So Fox News has admitted that O'Reilly has exaggerated about at least one of his reporting experiences. And I think it was him seeing... Irish terrorist bomb fellow citizens in Belfast. It turns out mm-hmm. that O'Reilly didn't see that. He, he saw a photo of bombings <laughs> or something. Maybe it was a very good photo. It was a very good photo. <laughs> you know, in, in the future, it'll be he saw something via Periscope or whatever. Yeah. But, but what, what does any of this really mean? After I'm reading this. I'm saying, okay, what does this mean? Now, for Fox News and O'Reilly, if anything, it means that their ratings are going to probably increase. Because the show's popularity is built around controversy. And then it brings me to this thing, that, you know, what we've been talking about. What does this mean for the rest of us? 
as consumers mm -hmm. of media. And I found something that the American journalist H.L. Mencken wrote, which is really interesting. Here's what he said. <laughs> what ails the truth is that it is mainly uncomfortable and often dull. The human mind seeks something more amusing and more caressing. <laughs> so we're living in an age of bias, and we have to try to be aware of entertaining news that makes us feel good about ourselves and our point of view, because that type of news is most likely filled with distortions and exaggerations. But it's so entertaining. It sure is, isn't it? It feels so good. <laughs> All right. I have a couple rants for you today. Um, the first one, there's a new book out on Steve Jobs. Did you know this? I heard, yes. Uh, from, I guess, Fast Company writers, uh, and it's called Becoming Steve Jobs. And I was thinking about this as I was looking at it, uh, and it, the, the, the quote from Jim Collins, the author of Good to Great, was, riveting, insightful, uplifting, read it and learn. And I was thinking, you know what? Nobody's going to read this book because they want to know more about Steve Jobs. They weren't going to read this book because they want to they they want to exercise the fantasy of becoming Steve Jobs <laughs> that in fact the more you read about Steve Jobs is really the more you want to be Steve Jobs knowing that in fact you can never be Steve Jobs so it's a really interesting it's kind of like reading a superman comic you know right so that's one the second one so i'm reading USA today last week and i was in a hotel which explains why i picked up a, a paper copy of USA today <laughs> which seems to get smaller every time I pick it up. And there was a piece in there, a full page almost, and it was a decision tree. And the question was, are you thinking about cutting the cable cord? And I'm telling you, it was the most complex tree in the world with all these various the questions and variables and so on. And my first thought was, you know what? If you need a decision tree to answer the question, should you cut the cable cord? then you should not cut the cable yeah, cord. Yeah, that's why people aren't considering it. <laughs> In fact, they should add that branch to the decision tree. So the very first decision is, do you need this decision tree, yes or no? <laughs> the answer should be no. Yep, it's perfect. Oh. <laughs> so that's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes or on Stitcher. And while you're there, please rate the show. It helps other folks discover us. You can also catch us at SoundCloud, Podcast One, Radio Wink, Media Biz Bloggers, and now on Net News Check. Tom, that's a Gee, new one. Wow. Look How at about this. that? We should do an app. <laughs> <laughs> We're I was thinking, actually, of periscoping, live streaming the show on my end, and I realized nobody would hear you. They just watch and hear me. Oh, that's true. And then I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe that's the perfect distillation of where technology is <laughs> taking us. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asacker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If, of course, there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. You can read the show notes and share the show at our website. It's kind of a tongue twister, Tom. MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the producer of Media Unplugged, Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media. You can find him at jeff-schmidt.com. For the fantabulous, ever healthy Tom Asacker. <laughs> I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening.